bless you, sir. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. I know most people are thrilled that the well is finally warmed up, you know, although we had a relatively mild winter, but it's always good to come in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, um, Brother F.F. F. Bosworth was a dynamic man of God who preached, uh, I think, in the 1800s. And he said it's amazing how most Christians will feed their bodies three hot meals a day, but feed their spirit man one measly meal per week and wonder why we're not on fire for God and not accomplishing all that God has for us. So it's time for us to either be Christians or check out. And, and I want to be a Christian. Amen? Amen. I thank God for the opportunity to uh, stand before you. I thank God for the uh, man and woman of God that the Lord put in charge of this place. You know, I don't take it lightly to be here. And I just thank God for his presence here. Shall we pray? God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you, God, because you ordained this before time. We thank you for every man and woman seated here and those who are watching. But I know that you have a destiny altering encounter for them. Those who may have forgotten who they are in you, that you will open up their eyes of understanding that they'll come to the knowledge of who they are in you. And those who don't even know, God, that you'll bring more illumination. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Father God, thank you for the word that will come out of the words that will come out of my mouth, that you have already blessed it, and it will produce a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen. We all emulate our Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who set out the precepts for us on how to fulfill our callings in God. Correct? And then we know that he was born. He lived a sinless life. And at the appointed time, the Bible said, in the fullness of time, he was commissioned. So for 30 years, he lived in preparation for three and a half years of ministry. And we know about the birth, the miraculous birth, his sinless life, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And that encapsulates the gospel, correct? And while he walked on earth, he chose 12 men to walk beside him. And in so doing, they got to know him. I always use the example, today is a perfect example, Wednesday evening services. I always rush home from work. I know that my lovely wife has made some sumptuous, and I always look forward to grabbing a little bite before coming here. Invariably, just the few minutes I spend in the kitchen, I take on the aroma of whatever she's cooking. So the more time we spend in God's presence, the more his nature, his aroma will permeate our being so that when people see us, when people around us, they can go, Woo! What do you have? I need to know what you have. Amen? So I want to start out today by reading from Luke chapter 9, from uh, verses 1 through 20. Then he called his 12 disciples together 
and give them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece, and whosoever house ye enter into, there abide, and thence depart, and whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the, the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed, because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead, and of some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, when they knew it followed him, and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about, and lodge and get food and rest, for we're in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake, and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat, and were all filled, and there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say, thou, whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, and this is my text, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. So we see in verse 1 that he called the disciples together. There's unity of purpose in being together. The Bible tells us that one shall put a thousand to flight, two shall put ten thousand to flight. And Amos 3.3 said that how can two walk together except they be in agreement? So there's unity in purpose and power is demonstrated. And when they came together, the purpose also was to be instructed. And as his disciples, are we not disciples of Christ? We're to come together and we're to be instructed by the Holy Spirit. And then it also said that he gave them power and authority. A lot of people have power, but lack authority. And power without authority is useless, just like authority without power is useless. But both in combination is like dynamite. 
And both can only happen with submission to God, with knowledge and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and this comes by study, spending time at his feet. If you have no knowledge, how would you have understanding? And if you don't have understanding, how would you walk into your purpose and calling in God? I don't want to be like those marching around the wilderness endlessly. I want to know what God's plans and purposes are for me and for my family, what my destiny is, and I want to be about fulfilling that destiny. Amen? And also, it said that he gave them power over all devils. Am I okay? So he gave them power over not some, but all devils, which we also have. We have power over all devils. So I don't care what you're facing today. I don't care what devil has come before you or against you or your family. Within you is the power from on high to overcome him. Amen? The question is, if we have this power and authority, why don't we exercise it? And why don't we have the same results that Jesus demonstrably had, and also that his disciples had. It, either he was right, or we're not. And we need to find out why. I'm the kind of person, my makeup is such that I don't like um, failing, and whatever I like to do, I want to do it well. And, um, and so, and because we know that in God there's no failure, so whatever measure that we're falling short, there needs to be a, an inner looking, an introspection, and say, where am I falling short, God? Holy Spirit, show me, and then be willing not just to ask, but be willing to follow through. When Jesus invited the disciples, they gave up everything, and they were all in. They know they have measure people. Whatever I do, I'm all in it, and that's how, as believers, we should be. Amen? So in verse 2, it said that he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. This is a Bible-believing church. Many of us have been here for many years. We're well-fed. To you, what is the kingdom of God? What does it comprise of? The kingdom of God, the basis of it, the gospel, you know, Jesus' miraculous birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and then the fulfillment of God, of what God wants for each and every one of us. He told us to go now and do greater works than he did, right? Because he sent the comforter. And so on, here on earth, we need to start having victorious living. We need to have successes just like he did with the apostles. And be about our father's business. Amen? In verse 6, it talks about they departed and they went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing Everywhere. I was struck by those words. Not healing somewhere. They were healing everywhere. They were obedient, and because of the obedience, there was manifested demonstration of the, all the power of God that's in them, and it's in us too and available to us. Amen? Jesus was a very oriented God, and when he was on earth, he was a very oriented God-man. What was his, his point? 
in changing destinies. And most of us, there are a lot of people that encounter us that would never come into a church like this. There are a lot of people that would never have the opportunity to hear the gospel presented. But they only hear the gospel through seeing the life that we lead. And so it's time for us to realize the responsibility that comes with that name of Jesus being ascribed to us. So when Jesus asked the disciples, whom do you say that I am? By the time he asked them this, they had already spent an enormous amount of time with him. They've gotten to know his habits, how much he prays, what pattern when he prays, when he reads, when he talks to the Father, what he's about. They know his character. They know his ins and outs. Yet, when he asked them, only Peter had the foresight, because some of them said, well, they say you're, some say you're, you know, Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're a prophet, but said, who do you say that I am? I come from a culture where we talk in idioms, like in the Bible, um, a lot of what Jesus said were in parables, where you have to really discern what was being said. In my culture, when, when people talk, you don't just listen with your ears, you listen with your heart, you listen with your mind, because there are lots of meanings in between what's, what's being said. And I remember in the early years of my marriage, I'll just say a few words, thinking that she understood what I meant. And she'll do something totally different. And, of course, when we have our conversations, you know, and I'm like, this is what I meant. And she said, no, this is what you said. I'm like, well, you should understand what I meant. Well, because I grew up in that culture, I knew. So Jesus spoke in idioms, in parables. So idiomatic expressions, you have to be able to interpret it. So what he was asking them, wasn't, it wasn't just who do you say that I am, but who do you say that I am? based on what you've seen of me, based on your conduct. So as believers today, the question is, does our conduct reflect whom we say that we, whose we say that we are? Does our conversation reflect him? Does our thoughts, the things we watch, and somebody will say, here we go, he's trying to legislate how to live. What's wrong with it? We're supposed to be Christians and we're supposed to have ways about us that people can say, you know what, he's different, she's different. And if we don't de indulge and sell completely out, we may not have the same results. I'm not a very good cook, but of course I love to eat. And I'm, I've always been intrigued by people who can cook by recipe because you can almost reproduce what you're trying to make. So if you start to make cheesecake, but you vary the recipe so much, in your mind's eye, you may call it cheesecake, but people eating it will say, no, it's not. So Jesus demonstrated by his walk on earth, and the disciples observed it, that if you, do, if you pray, if you live holy, if you sell out to the Holy Ghost, and if you let God lead you, because he said, I only do those things which I hear my Father. In so doing, there's victory. No one has said that they were preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Amen? Praise God. So part of what they, 
the observed, his study habit, his compassion and love, his desire and focus to please the Father. He had already won several people to the Lord, including the disciples. But he won them, Jesus won them, not just by saying, come follow me, come follow me. People, if you read through the Gospels, people followed him to observe his ways. And then his words pierced them. But his words and his ways were congruent. It's a mathematical term that means they're lined up. Most believers, our words are incongruent with our ways. And it's time to get them to line up. And in so doing, we'll have the same victories as the Lord promised us. Amen? Miracles in Jesus' time were a normal, everyday occurrence. It wasn't one that said, oh, did you hear that happen? When we hear of miracles now, we talk about it like, what happened four months ago? What happened ten years ago? Thank God they happened four months ago or ten years ago. But they should be everyday occurrences. Miracle of provision. Miracle of healing. Miracle of deliverance. Miracle of restoration. Miracle of increase. You know, there's so many of them that should be a part of our makeup. And such that even those who don't know God, who work with us, who live next to us, will be able to say, they face the same calamities we do, but for some reason, even in the midst of the storm, they're smiling. In the midst of the storm, they're increasing. Why is that? And that will give us the opportunity to present to them the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Again, we know the question tonight for each and every one of us is... This is not to condemn us, because the gospel is not a condemning gospel. It's a liberating gospel. Wherever it is, and I'll be the first, the, the one preaching tonight. Wherever it is that we have fallen short in measuring up to what God has told us to do, it's time to do our first works over again. You know, Because these are the end times, and in this season, there has to be demonstrable power to be able to get our loved ones saved, that the family members, people who really know you and know you outside of this church, right? Are probably going to be the most difficult to get saved if you're not walking upright. Because no matter what you say, no matter what you put up, what facade you put up, they can read through it. And then, if you can't cast out small devils, like a fly, how can you deal with giants? And with Jesus, it started out one miracle after another, and it mushroomed and increased. Amen? So, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, it asks this question. You did run well. Who hindered you? Or what hindered you? How were you hindered? that you should not obey the truth. Okay? So, we need to be obedient children. One of the things I highlighted about the disciples, that, those verses, was that Jesus commanded them, he called them, and they gave up everything. They walked in obedience. And in walking in obedience, they were able to function in a higher anointing. Okay? And so, we need to do the same thing. We need to be completely sold out to him. And 
outcomes in life are often based on choices. Somebody's like, oh, is he preaching secular humanism? No. Outcomes are based on choices, but we already have the best choice. When we choose him and we serve him and live for him, the outcome is predicted. It's already known. It's, not a, it's, it's, it's fixed. So it's time to stop shirking our responsibilities and then turning around and getting mad at God that things are not happening as it's supposed to. We're supposed to be those who are turning the world upside down. Isn't that what the Bible said about the, you know, the apostles, the disciples, you know, the early church? So here they come, those turning the world upside down. Let's be about our father's business and do that. You know, because I love what Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. You know, the word said, choose ye this day whom you'll serve. And he said, I know I make my declaration now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And whether you're alone or you have a family, make a declaration and God will honor it. What Brother Eric said earlier, God is looking for partners. And he's more than enough for all that we need. And what, when our eyes of understanding are really open to see, to catch a glimpse of who he is and of what we are in him, it will make it easier to be totally sold out to him. Praise God. So no matter how long we've known God, even if you just got saved today, or you've been serving him for 40, 50, 60 years, he continually tries to reveal himself to us. He tries to reveal certain aspects of who he is to us. And in that revelation, see, revelation is progressive, all right? Knowledge comes through revelation, and revelation comes through relationship and through pursuit. So my goal in life is to pursue God with all I have. You know, no turning back. There's a song, no, no turning back, and that's mine. And it, it requires an invest, investment of time. But that time, I, I mean, a lot of believers, there's so many things that can be distractions to us. I know every day, you know, you have kids to take care of, and then you, there's time you want to wind down, and your favorite TV shows, or now your favorite games to play on your handheld devices, do all that, but Proverbs talks about, you know, that they just wait. Let it be in balance. Amen. I'm not preaching to just be in church 24-7. Love your family. You know, do what you enjoy to do. But have priorities. And with those things in, in place, there's no reason that we should not be successful. Um. There's, um, I was trying to think, I told you guys earlier, I can't cook. I was trying to remember, there's, um, I think it's a seafood, that the best way to cook it is you, you start out with the water being tepid, like lukewarm, and then you gradually turn off the heat, and they don't realize it, and before they know, they're cooked. So a lot of times, people who are lukewarm, will still think that they're saved or that they're living for God because they know the right phrases to say. They may even come to church. They may even be the, the most steadfast in singing and doing all that. But what they do outside of church doesn't line up with what they're doing here. 
and gradually it's a slippery slope, you still think that you have it, you should be measured by your fruits. And that's what the Word of God says. You know? So we should endeavor to serve him wholeheartedly and bear fruits 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen? I remember one time we went um, sailing with some friends of ours, and they had this big boat and with big water. So they, they didn't really drop anchor. They just let it sit because you couldn't drop anchor so far down. And we're just enjoying ourselves. After a couple of hours, because I'm very observant, I noticed that we had actually drifted very far from where we were. But it wasn't apparent because it was a very slow drift. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that a lot of times when believers are idle, when we're not occupied and engaged in what God has called us to do, there's a drift that happens, but it's so slow, we don't realize it, and we lose our position in God, and we lose our direction. And we need to have our position and direction right to be able to receive from him. Amen? Praise God. So he wants us to live a life yielded to the Holy Ghost. And we can start it today. And we can make a pattern of it. Most of us who work, there's requirements. You have to be there 8 to 5 or whatever your work schedule is. And no matter what, you, we all endeavor to be there. I remember years ago, um, I used to be much busier in my medical practice when we lived in Kentucky than here. And it doesn't matter how long I've worked. Sometimes I used to do, it was normal, I did 25 major surgeries a week, not to talk about minor surgeries. And I may be tired, but if my beeper went off, it didn't matter if it was 2 a.m., 4 a.m., I got up. And I went and took care of what needed to be done because I was trained. I could wake up from sleep and turn it on and operate. And the Holy Spirit, but many times I'd said, so you know, I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to study. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'll start out and I'm looking at, and all kind of thoughts come through. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, God, you understand. I'm tired. So the Holy Spirit convicted me. So, well, you function in your natural avocation. You know, you don't compromise. When you're called, do the calls. You rise up. You do what you're supposed to do. Your spiritual avocation takes precedence over your natural avocation. So you need to be sharpened. You need to be instant in season and out of season. And that's helped me to evolve where I make time to pray. And thank God for all the electronic gadgets now. And reading the word so that even in my little downtime, I can just flip on uh, my, to my Bible and read different things to just give me the boost I need, you know, for my victories. Amen? So I'm talking to us, to me, just to encourage as believers that the Father's heart cry, his desire is for us to draw closer to him. His desire is for us to emulate him, to be like him. His desire is for us to have the successes that he has earmarked for us. And because he's a redeemer of time, so it doesn't matter. Don't, don't, don't feel the guilt like I've never done this before. I'm, 
I've missed out so much. God redeems time. So once we start today, he's going to redeem the time that has been lost, and we're going to get fortified. And those relatives who are not serving him, see, because God's plan and purpose for us is that our house, us and our house shall be saved. And that word saved is not just salvation. Delivered, healed, prosperous, all, you know, it's all encompassing. And this is the season for it. But believers, let's, let's charge and let's jump in with both feet. And let's become those who change the world. Starting in our homes, right? In our Jerusalem, in our Judea, and the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wouldn't um, be right if I didn't close by asking if there's anyone here today who has never had the experience or the opportunity of asking Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. If you're here, this is your moment. This is your time. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. And if you're one who served God, but you've become lukewarm, or like my illustration with the boat, without you knowing it, you've drifted so far, and now you're at a position where the things you had gotten cleansed from before, the lure of the world is now appealing to you, and sometimes they're indistinguishable. Your appetite and taste for the things of the world are much more overwhelming than things of God. It's time to come home. So I'm going to ask, is there anyone here today who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you're here, would you raise up your hand? All right, come on down. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First of all, I want to commend you, you know, for this great step. All right? Today is a special day for you. God saw this day. And he has a plan for you before you were born. And today, that plan is coming into fruition. All right? I'm going to pray. And then after that, I'm going to ask, yeah, that brother, you, you go with him. He's going to give you some material. Just how you start a new journey, all right? Like a baby, when a baby is born, the baby initially is cared for. And after a time, that baby will learn to eat by themselves. We learn to brush our teeth, and we have to wake up every day and brush your teeth. And you have to care for the body. So likewise, your spirit man is going to need to be fed, and they'll give you some material. And by eating and nourishing your spirit man, that's how the change remains all right okay so i'm going to pray with you father god i thank you for this brother father i thank you for the decision he's making and i ask you god that you keep your arms of protection around him and god for the baptism of the holy spirit even through this experience to god that you feel him and you deliver him from everything that the enemy had put in his way. Set him up on the right course. 
I want you to say this after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you into my heart. I give my old life to you in exchange for a new life. I accept that you were born, you lived a sinless life, you died on the cross for my sins. And I give my life to you and I pledge to serve you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give me a hug. Praise the Lord. That's worth everything. Amen. So is there anyone who um, wants to recommit, rededicate, saying, you know what, God, I want more of you. I don't want to stay ankle deep. I don't even want it to be knee deep. I want all in. I want to serve you with everything I have. You know, I haven't arrived yet. If that's you, I want you to come on down on the altar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.